Welcome to Design Your Destiny, your podcast for tapping into the power of your subconscious mind. In this next few minutes, allow me to show you how to tap into that power so that you can create success with ease, form deeper connections, and have greater presence in your relationships, and most importantly, find peace within yourself. My name is Penny Chason, and I'm your host. Hey, hey, everybody, it's Penny, and back this week with a special guest, I want to introduce you to Katie Soy. Katie's a writer and a storytelling consultant. She's the creator of a children's book series on mindfulness in an online community for parents and kids based on those books. She works with entrepreneurs and companies to leverage the power of personal stories with brand storytelling and persuasive messaging. I'm really excited to have Katie because her story goes so much deeper than that. And if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know I've talked about different styles of hypnosis, subconscious programming, mindfulness definitely comes into that. And we're just going to dive into all of it today. So Katie, welcome and Is there more that you would like to share about your background? Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Penny. Um, You know, I'm a big fan of yours and your work. We've worked together, if I can share that for anybody listening. And it's been such a powerful part of my journey. Um, But yeah, so I've had, um, gosh, over a decade of a corporate background in copywriting and marketing management. And I've also um, been an adjunct college professor for about 12 years teaching communication online. So storytelling, marketing, and communication are all kind of part of my my background. And uh, in the last few years, I've sort of carved out this new niche for myself. Um, I've been a writer for a while. I did have um, an Amazon bestselling novel come out in 2017. It was not for kids. Um, but in the last few years, I've carved out this niche of you know storytelling consultant. I help entrepreneurs and companies really leverage the power of including and integrating personal story into brand storytelling and messaging. So really carving out, you know, those origin stories, vision stories, bringing people along with you to help connect and, um, and, and help people build their audience and attract the right clients. So it's been a really fun few years and I absolutely love getting to write and work on storytelling in that way and then also help people with it in branding and messaging. It's been fun to watch you in this process and, you know, just especially your own personal growth, your energy, your vivaciousness, if I can say that, because you have such a passion and enthusiasm for healing. And obviously healing is my passion. And you are a prime example of what each and every one of us is capable of when we are aware of the tools at our disposal and the tool that we have inside of us. And so I really, if it's okay with you, I would like to pick up with what prompted you, I guess I'm letting the horse out of the barn. Let's just talk about how you got into this journey that has gotten you to where you are now. I think it started around 2018. So I'll, I'll, it's your story. I'll let you tell it. It is my story. Yeah. So, um, so you and I met through a, um, a program that we both joined online, which is an amazing program with one of our mentors. And it was in that program in 2018. 
Um, again, I'd already, I've been a writer since I was a little kid. I've just been kind of running away from it. <laughs> and so that wasn't new. Um, I was stuck in a job that I didn't love. Like there was a lot of stuff going on at the time that was really affecting my mental health. And my mental health journey, which I have no problem sharing about, had really been up and down. I had struggled with anxiety and depression all through my 20s. My first panic attack, I was 18 years old. <laughs> and so 2017, you know, prior to joining that program and when this journey really started that you're talking about, um, had been my worst year for panic attacks. I had, I had at least 10. I lost count that year at 10 panic attacks. And there was just, I mean, there were moments when I would work from bed in the dark because I just couldn't go outside because the depression was just that heavy. And I'm not going to say there was any one thing that was causing it. Um, it was a number of different things. It was, it was a number of things from just not being happy, um, feeling lost, um, stressful work environment, you know, no boundaries in relationships. There's no one, like, it, there was no like catalyst thing that happened. I think many of us feel like oh, I can't feel depressed or anxious if there was no thing in my life. Well, yes, like, I mean, so many of us feel that way without some, you know, huge important event happening, kind of this culmination of life. And so um, I was the heaviest weight I was, you know, and I'd, I'd ever been at the time. Like, it was just all these different things. And I started this program where I learned about the power of healing. And I learned that I was capable of so much more than I had previously thought possible. And so implementing some of these tools, which you know, include hypnosis and self-hypnosis and, and hypnosis with expert professionals like yourself, um, I started this journey that started healing the mental health aspect, which then started healing my physical health aspect. So in addition to the mental health part of this, prior to 2018, I'd been on medication from a very young age in my early 20s for low thyroid and low hormones, which, you know, I was at like, you know, premenopausal levels as a young woman. <laughs> And so that the first shift happened with the mental health and then slowly, steadily with, with a doctor supervision, just by the way, for anyone listening, working with a doctor to slowly, slowly taper off medication that I've been on for almost a decade. Um, and I, you know, dropped weight very slowly again over the course of the next year, year and a half. And so my life is just so different now from then. It actually makes me emotional to think about it because now there are tough moments but there aren't tough weeks or tough years or tough days in bed, you know, from all of that going on. So I probably talked too long right. than you wanted, but yeah, you said something that's very important that I want to circle back to. And you mentioned that there was no single specific catalyst. And sometimes even when we believe there is a single specific catalyst that ends up just being the event that brings the thing under the surface into our conscious awareness that, hey, there's something here to be dealt with. But most importantly, is there are so many people in this world that believe it's normal to go through life every day, feeling down, disconnected, less than, almost as if like there's, there's something missing and they believe that this is a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't believe that we go through life every day feeling happy, joyful. I believe that happiness is a choice and we can choose that even in days where we're not feeling our best, but the most powerful place to come from is no matter how you are feeling in a given moment or day, because all of our emotions are valid. They serve a purpose, but it's to be in peace. We can be in a state of peace and well-being, 
and feel sad because of something that's happened. We can be in a state of peace and well-being, feeling content and happy. What's your take on that? I agree. And I think that, you know, we cannot control life as much as we like to think that we can. We cannot control things that are done to us, right? We cannot control things that happen to us, things happen to our loved ones, but we can take charge of how we respond and how we react. And so, you know, there are things that happen. There are, there are horrible things that happen that do cause trauma. You, you get this you yes. know, better than probably anyone that do cause a shift and like you're, you're like a split in like who you were after the event versus who you were before, but you get to choose, you know, how am I going to respond to this? And I think, um, you know, choosing the healing isn't always the easiest way to do it. It's not always the easiest place to go. It's very hard to sit with yourself and to sit with that, with the things people have done to you or said to you, you know, whatever it is, um, and choose to heal. But there's so much power in that. And there's so much ownership. Like we take our place, we, we don't stay in a place of, you know, paralyzation or even in some situations, victimhood, we can choose to respond um, in an authentic way. Yeah. And I think it's one thing that many of us don't realize, and I'm always focused on staying in a state of awareness. And I teach that to my clients and my participants in my workshops and groups. And that is sometimes we may not even realize it. And we can slip into victim thinking without necessarily being in victimhood. Now, what makes that important is that if we slip into that victim thinking and we don't catch ourselves, and that becomes our pattern of thought, then that ends up becoming our reality. And that's not what we want. And I'm going to ask you something, and I hope it's okay with you. Before you began on this journey, did you identify as someone who was sick and going to be on hormones for the rest of your life? Yes, because that's what I was I was told you're going to struggle with weight because people that struggle with these issues, you that's like a normal thing. Uh, I was told you are also going to struggle with probably, you know, it's very natural to struggle with depression and anxiety because when you know when you have when your hormones are off, right? As a woman, you already have hormones and then when they're off, it makes it worse. So I was told like this is all normal. Like it, I was just told it was normal. And I'm a huge fan of as you know, working with professionals and experts to help me heal, right? This has not been, a, this has not been just me. I have worked with people to help me heal. And I worked with doc, I worked with all kinds of doctors. So just before we start that, I saw MDs, endocrinologists, uh, naturopathic doctors, functional medicine. I saw MDs who were also functional doctors. Like I saw, right. And so I was like, well, this is going to be my story. This is my reality. And so then I would go to the gym thinking, oh, this is like, I hated going to the gym. I hated going to the gym because I hated my body. I hated how I looked. I didn't think I was beautiful. And I was like, well, I'm going to just be here because if I don't go, then it's going to be worse. Like there was no positive, you know, happy reason for even doing like healthy things because I was so stuck in that rut of a story. Yeah. Was there a breakthrough moment as you began this journey where you're like, that's it. Yes. I am in command of this. I will say um, it kind of happened the way that you fall asleep. Like you, it, so yes, there was a moment, but there was, it it was a series of moments where I was just hearing stories from other people. And I was going, wait a second, even if this, even like, let's say that I am on medication the rest of my life, I can change how I respond to this. I can change how I react to this. So it was very 
slow but sudden, just like the way you fall asleep. Like it's kind of happening and then you're like, oh wait, I'm asleep. That was how it happened. It was like this slow wake up call and then it was like, bam, my whole life changed. And I will say that the physical changes happened after the mental health changes happened. And so when the brain fog began to clear, because I had a bunch of breakthroughs about boundaries and how a lot of the stress I was having in my life was from my own lack of boundaries and lack of communication about those boundaries and anger and resentment that people didn't read my mind and know what my boundaries were. So that's fair. So helpful for everybody around me. I'm just sitting over here like seething angry in a little corner, steaming, right? And then I'm not saying what I need. I'm not setting boundaries. I'm not following through. So yeah, there were, you know, back to your question, I just realized even if this is what life gave me, I can still respond differently. And then the path opened up where I started responding differently and then actual stuff started changing physically. Like my blood love, my blood work was showing that my levels were going up as my medication was going down, which you can't like, I can't make that up. Like that was again, under doctor supervision. And as we were yeah. taking med, as we were taking me slowly off my levels were, and my levels, what, three, four years later now are still um, normal. Yeah. And the key word is stress. Right. Right. Stress can come from anywhere in our life. It can come from our own thinking, our own expectations, external events, how we interpret them, the things we ingest. You mentioned functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, the things that we ingest, the physical environment that we're in. And it affects our brain chemistry. And when it affects our brain chemistry, it literally affects everything in our body but maybe in different ways and to different degrees. You mentioned the anger and the resentment. There was a point where you and I connected briefly because you were on that cusp of, you felt like there was just some little something. How did doing that emotional release impact your continued journey? Okay, so let's go here because this is also part of why I created my stories for kids in the community that I have now. And Penny was a big piece of this for me. So I'll be honest about it. I've talked about this before. Um, I was on this journey. I forget what year it was. I think it was a year or two into the journey, maybe a year and a half into the journey. And I was already feeling so much better mentally, physically, and I was already feeling better with my health, but I was very aware that I was not where I wanted to be. And I mean, we're always working toward where we want to be, right? But I was very aware that there were blocks. And I'm just going to raise my hand right now, and Penny knows this. <laughs> Um, I have dealt with anger my whole life. And I don't know if there's any women listening or watching that feel like you deal with this too, but if you do, you might also feel like I did where it's like, as a woman, you can't really have anger problems. So that's like a man, that's like a masculine thing that, so it's like scary, like, like women who are angry, like the world doesn't know what to do with us. So we don't know what to do with ourselves. You know what I mean? And so I would have to Penny cause I was like, look, I could feel that my, as part of my soul was healing, right? Like, like this, this, like Penny mentioned, like bubbly, happy Katie from like, you know, teenage Katie years was coming back. I could feel pieces that were not in line with that. And I was like, Penny, I think it's the anger. And when I was little, like my parents were like, oh, she has an Irish temper again. Like she's just angry. Like, again, like you're told these things when you're little. And so I always identified as an angry person. And so working with Penny, it was like, wait a second, that's a story too. Maybe I didn't have an Irish temper. Maybe I was just having boundaries crossed as a kid and didn't know how to handle that, right? How can I let my story of my attachment to my anger go? And that was affecting my marriage, my family relationships, my my stress with work, because I would just, like, that was my go-to. And so what I learned was that, again, and you know this, anger is just 
the go-to emotion for what's really underneath. So I was not processing sadness, fear, all these other things. So I worked very deeply with Penny. It was brief, but deep. Like, I feel like we went in <laughs> on how to release some of this anger. And then she actually ended up shocking to me. She was like, oh, I think this is actually about forgiveness. And I was like, no, it's not Penny. It's about my damn anger. <laughs> no, I'm angry at Penny about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so, so we like this beautiful, deep, I, I forget how many sessions we had, you know, to work through and release anger and then work through forgiveness. And it was so impactful. And just like an amazing hypnotherapist, you don't need 18 sessions for the next 10 years to work on your stuff. It was very brief and it was like, okay, done. Have I been angry since? Yes, but not in that same way, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing is people hear forgiveness in our entire lives. We're taught forgive and forget. And that just doesn't wash with me. It's because the body remembers, like your body remembers. Yeah. Yeah. The body remembers. And with all of the work that I do, whether it's regression work, forgiveness work, letting go of shame and guilt, the goal of the entire process is to, to gain insight that allows you to move into a state of neutrality about the events, but to also have gratitude for the lessons and the experiences that have allowed you to have the wisdom, the knowing because we wouldn't be who we are now without those past experiences, right? And anger is one of those emotions that's highly resonant underneath the surface. And that anger can come from fear. It can come from loss of control. And one of the most simplest reasons that I have observed with my clients, and I'm glad I heard of this book, because once I dove into it, I'm like, ah, it completely changed my perspective on my work with people is love languages. If there is a mismatch in love languages between a parent and a child, and that is not communicated or expressed or understood, the parent can believe they're being the absolute most loving person. And I'm certain they are, but because it may not be what the child needs there is a, uh, there's a disconnect. So there's the perception on behalf of the child, I'm not getting what I need. And so that book has been a huge game changer in the work that I do. Okay. So you mentioned how this was pivotal and like what you were doing with kids. I really want to unpack this because what I do, I don't work with kids, but the things that we are talking about are highly valuable tools to assist children in coping with life and to unravel their own misperceptions, to reframe things that happen and to know that their experiences are not a reflection of whether or not they're good enough, they're smart enough, they're lovable enough. I mean, this is, I'm just, take it and roll with it because especially in these post-pandemic times, Kids' lives have been in upheaval, and adults can say, oh, well, I kept my stress for my kids. I didn't let them see me worry. I didn't let them see me fearful. Bullshit. <laughs> you may not have said it in front of them. You may not have ran it on the TV in front of them, but kids are like antennas. They pick up on your body language, your facial expressions. When certain topics come up, they see the way that you respond and react and they interpret that. So I'm going to let you run with it. This is your expertise. 
Well, thank you. So no, I agree with you. The kids feel it. And I, I was just um, looking at some research this week about, um, so Harvard's just released a study saying that kids at the like six and up, like super, super young kids are experiencing the highest levels of anxiety that they've seen. And so, I mean, I don't know about your neighborhood, but during the pandemic, we had kids with, you know, chalk in our neighborhood, like drawing pictures of people with masks on their faces. Like they're noticing, even if you don't talk about it, like they're noticing it, they're feeling that that's different. Right. And so they've been secluded and isolated, just like all of us and adults are dealing with so much stuff. So no. So I, um, I wrote a children's book in 2020 and released it as an audiobook only in 2021 and then created as a, a sequel to that. They're launching on Amazon later this year, later this summer as print books. They'll be available everywhere, which is awesome. But I actually took some time to create this series about a little firefly. So the the, the uh, name of book one is The Firefly in the Storm. And it's about a firefly that grows up. She's adopted. She's an orphan. She's adopted. And she grows up in a community full of grasshoppers, right? So you probably see where this is going already. So her parents, grasshoppers who couldn't have a family, love her, adore her, think she's amazing, think she's magical. But everybody in their community doesn't know why she glows. They judge her. They laugh at her. They judge their family for looking different, right? So it's this little series that takes place on a tropical island with this firefly having all these adventures by herself and with new, you know, kind of diverse friends that come in dealing with these types of issues. And I'd gotten the idea for this story before 2018 and it had come in kind of a dream, which is really kind of a funny story. And I didn't know what to do with it. Just kind of sat there and I didn't write it until 2020. And at first, Penny, I was so angry. I was like, again, angry. I'm like, why did I not write this years ago? And I got the idea, but I couldn't have written it because I hadn't been on that journey on my own yet. So now the books and the community that I have for parents and kids is all about, you know, how to create your own stories, not stories other people tell about us, right? And they're also about how to use, you know, some of the tools that I learned to use that were helpful for me, but they're very like introductory. So it's meant as a resource for parents and kids to explore what tools work for their kids. So for example, um, in the second book, It's called The Firefly and the Butterfly. And she has a friend who's a butterfly whose family was lost in migration. She can't find her family and she can't fly. She's dragging her wings around behind her because she is so scared. So she deals with anxiety and fear and depression. She actually has what you and I would know in the book is a little miniature panic attack where she can't breathe. She can't see, she can't think. And the way that she, you know, stops this is she stops and she breathes. So the whole focus of this book is breathing, right? Breathwork has been a really powerful tool for me. So um, I had a breathwork practitioner come into my community, my online community for parents and kids and do a 30 minute breathwork session for kids. That was amazing. Now, does that you know resonate with everybody? You know, probably not. But as you know, we're also going to have you come in um, this next month and do a hypnosis session. And we're actually going to include hypnosis going forward every month as part of that, you know, as a tool that parents can, you know, use with kids or see if their kids, you know, you know, kind of resonate with that as we're all introducing these bigger concepts for parents to talk about with kids, like fear, anxiety, depression, Um, you know, how do you feel when you're judged at school, bullies. So the whole series is meant to open up these bigger conversations and the community is a really affordable way for parents to, you know, take a deeper dive. Yeah. I think that's great because anything that we can do to pattern interrupt, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the negative beliefs, the events, and as, as children, you know, they're, 
walking sponges until around age seven. They're absorbing everything, literally. The analytical mind is not developed, so they're not reasoning, well, geez, that's not true because of, you know, I know my mom and dad love me. So it's it's not true that you say that, you know, I'm ugly or I'm not good enough. And the things that other kids say, that capacity is not there. And in turn, also, when we tease and joke with our kids, they take that very literally. Um, this came up the other day in a conversation. It's why children with all their heart and mind, believe in Santa, believe in the Easter bunny, right. believe in the tooth fairy. And you can tell when their analytical mind is developing because that's when they begin to question um, these things. So any tools that we can give them is very important to interrupt that. And you briefly mentioned bullying. Mm-hmm. In my experience with the probably over 2,000 sessions now I've done in the last three, four years, adults who went through bullying as kids that was not addressed, that is some of the most emotional work I've done mm. with people because it's in those identity-forming years They've gone beyond that sponge, and now they're they're figuring out their identity. They're in the process of creating identity, and who am I? Where do I belong? What do I have to do to be accepted? And I think it's great that you're addressing that because addressing it at that young age is so important so it doesn't get carried over into adulthood. Yeah. Great conversation. I'm loving this. Well, and that's the whole premise. I mean, that's, so there are more books coming, right? I've taken some time to, you know, figure out the launch for the, you know, for the, for, you know, book one and book two on Amazon later this summer. And then I've also basically adapted a series that's coming now. And so bringing these little characters on her, you know, to her island, to Jem's island, the Firefly's name is Jem, and in going through these different experiences that I think many of us went through as kids. And so the bullying and the, the idea of belonging is that's primarily the story for book one, right? The origin story that sets up the whole series, but it also comes in throughout because, you know, even though she learns to feel a sense of belonging, and even though she ends up forgiving her grasshopper friends who apologize for being for, you know, so uh, sorry for the spoiler alert, but they do apologize for being bullies, but she's still in a community where they're different. Right. And her friends are all different. Her friends are butterflies. Her friends are bees. Her Right. So, so it's, it becomes this very diverse looking, you know, young group. And it's for ages six and up, but I've had so many parents message me and be like, oh my gosh, if I had had this when I was little, and that just makes me feel like I'm, you know, on the right path with this because the belonging, that's the thing that so many of us, I mean, we're still telling ourselves those stories that the bullies told us and believing those in college. Like you just mentioned, like in, as a kid, you don't have the capacity to know that it's not true. You're not reasoning logically, but you, you still aren't when you're in college and an adult. And when you stand out at the workplace or in the boardroom and you're like, well, I am different or I look different or I'm a different background Mm -hmm. or I'm a minority, right? Like it's a completely different thing when you're older because you take on those stories when you're from when you're little. So this whole series, I could not have written it when I first got the idea because I hadn't started my own healing journey yet, which I'm still on. We're all still on. And I wouldn't have been able to adapt it the way that I, that I am now. And this little community was a surprise that this little corner of the internet is the most amazing. Like we've got so many amazing parents 
who are in there. We have an I, I lead live story time and I lead like, you know, exercise with kids that I'm qualified to lead, like journaling with kids. And last month we did a magic words exercise. Like we all wrote magic words and put them in a jar and picked a word for the week that we wanted to focus on because our words are our wand. Our words create reality, right? And so, yes. but I bring in experts to lead classes like yoga, you know, hypnosis, breath work, um, you know, things like that. So that's been, that's been amazing art classes. And so that was the thing that took me by surprise was this little community that's small, but mighty and growing. You know, it doesn't take a lot to get started And so many people become attached to the end result mm-hmm. instead of being grounded and present in the small steps that get you there and just having fun doing it. I have so much fun doing it. And the, the cool thing is, is on, like on our last month's call, we had a little bit of extra time. And so we, you know, we uh, turned off the recording and we're like, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're done with our activity. Everybody can go if you want to. And I said, if anybody wants to stay on, I have some questions for some kids because I'm working on the next book in the series. And I was like, nobody knows about it. It's a big secret, but I need some help because I need to know what you kids would think, what you kids are dealing with. And I was like, I don't know if anybody wants to stay. They all stayed for another 45 minutes. We'd already been on for half an hour. They stayed and they're like, well, you know, she could deal with this and I deal with this in school and I deal with that in school. So it's Mm -hmm. become this weird, unexpected way of co-creating the book series with these kids. So it's been, it's been so amazing. And one of my goals is to keep it affordable, accessible. It's $27 a month right now for parents to come in and you get full access to all, you know, our, our whole library of all of the resources and all the monthly resources that are added. So that's what's taken me by surprise, but I'm excited to keep going with the series and see how the community yeah. um, shifts. One of my hypnosis mentors always says that all any child ever wants is for an adult to be proud of them. Oh. He said, that's really what it comes down to. And when you think about it, that's where our acceptance and our awareness that we're worthy yeah. and that we're enough, that it, it all comes down um, to that. So I love this conversation. It's been wonderful. Please, is there a place where people can go get on the wait list for the books? Where can they go get the audio version? Just let people know where they can reach out to you and get plugged into these resources because they're very valuable. Yeah. So the best place right now is my website, katiesoy.com. And I can make sure you have it um, for the notes. And then uh, that's where my story, the, the audiobooks right now are there. And then we'll be shifting that when the, when the books come out later this summer on Amazon. And then there's also information about the community there as well. And then if you want to follow me on social media, I'm most active on Instagram at Miss Katie Soy. And I would love to connect. Um, and I always ask parents to message me feedback if they're in the community or if they've, if they've you know, heard a book. It's a very active, again, small but mighty community that's helping me create the rest of the series. And um, I would love to have anybody come join us and see what we're doing in this really cool, supportive corner of the internet. Thank you for coming today, sharing your story, sharing how you're helping kids. And let's just keep going out and creating more expansion in the world. Thank you so much for having me, Penny. It's such an honor to come and be on your podcast. You've been such a big part of my journey and I want to say thank you and thanks for your support and thanks everybody who listened. All right. Thanks so much. Bye everybody. 
Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Design Your Destiny, I would appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. When you leave a positive review, it's like podcast currency, and we can increase our reach and get the message to even more people that they, just like you, have the ability to design their destiny. And remember, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.